Dear listeners, welcome to our very first episode of Brain and Butter. Brain and Butter is a podcast that we've started very recently with the goal to translate psychological and neuroscientific ideas into tangible, short bits of information that anyone can digest. If you want to know more about the version of our podcast, listen to our intro episode. The plan is that each of us interviews different people, but today we're actually all here. Hello! (laughs) To give a little background on our podcast name, Braided Butter, we choose a hand-picked fax to provide you with the brain and butter of the current neuropsychology facts. The start of 2023 is not too long ago. In the theme of a new year, we want to talk about New Year's resolutions. We've all said them before, given up on them again, losing hope, pushing us to get back at them. The reason so many of us fail with our goals comes down to the fact that we did not establish a habit that helps us achieve this. New Year's resolutions stand or fall with the brain and how it allows for new habits to form. Consistency is key with just about any goal you want to set yourself. So to help with that, with uh, formatting habits and setting goals, there are probably around a million self-help books or blog posts or podcast episodes about how to set goals right and how to create a habit. So the plan now is less to give even more advice to you guys that may or may not work, but to more figure out um, what habits actually are in psychology and brain terms. And knowing that, we will be able to debunk myths about habits, but also uh, mentioning research um, about those tactics that may actually work. We have collected quite some information, so let's get into it. Now, I'd like to start off. For many years, when I'd set a New Year's resolution, or any habit for that matter, I rarely had enough discipline or structure to follow through in a perfect style. What can I say? Other than I'm far more creative than structured. Yet, here I am before you as a scientist full of structure in my life. Despite my weaknesses, I realized the necessity of establishing good habits in my life if I wanted to achieve my goals. So how did I do it? Well, it's a multivariate equation. But my greatest tool was grit. Grit is defined as perseverance and passion for long-term goals. Grit is my opinion of the quality of a champion. It's that internal force that drives one to get up after being knocked down, failing, or missing one of the days on their New Year's resolution. To put this into context, 2018, I was deep in my meditation studies at Naropa University. I've been practicing for a decade, yet never had much consistency in my practice. I was making progress, but I didn't feel like I'd done enough to earn my spot among true meditators. I needed to write a passage from intermediate to advanced. So I set my New Year's resolution. I would meditate every morning, first thing, for 20 minutes, for an entire year. Yet I knew my aversion towards structure. So I had to use my strength and get creative. I kept my goal as it was, but redefined the terms for failure and success. First and foremost, if I missed a morning, the goal carried on. If I missed 10 mornings, 
the goal carried on. If I miss 364 mornings, I would have one more morning that year to do my best at achieving my goal. It wasn't about perfection. It was about getting back up and on track every time I slipped. This was grit. Some may ask, why not just make the goal to meditate as many mornings as I could in a year? Well, that was too loose for me. If I meditated one morning, that was sufficient. Instead, I need a strong and defined goal of 365 mornings. I could, in theory, reach that number. It was possible. And every morning that I missed meditation, my goal will be slightly less rewarding. But it would still be there for the rest of the year. I could still meditate for 362 mornings, 361 mornings. I could still get right back up and continue on the goal. In the end, I meditated for about 275 days that year. So if you're out there listening to this podcast and also struggling with following through on your goals, or even if you're great at it and want to be even better, remember to find your grit. Not only will this help you on your New Year's resolution, but science has shown grit to account for 4% of workplace success according to famous study with 8,000 sites. As such, the achievement of difficult goals entails not only talent, but also the sustained and focused application of talent over time, vis-a-vis grit. Wow, thanks Austin for sharing. I think this is so impressive um, and I'm sure it will inspire a lot of people. Really cool to hear. Okay, let's get into the psychology and neuroscience of what Austin just told us. We're here to learn how the brain forms a new habit, so let's find out. I think the first important lesson is that the brain hardwires everything that we repeatedly do. So there's this phrase in psychology that goes, neurons that fire together wire together. And this phrase comes from that when adjacent neurons that are together in the brain next to each other fire together, so they are being activated from a stimulus together, then they will become more closely uh, related and then more likely to fire again together the next time. So this causal relationship between them is strengthened. So for example, if you take a vitamin uh, in the morning or something one day, then because they're firing together neurons um, at that time, they will also be more likely to fire again in the future. And this is called heavy in learning. Um, this is basically the principle of why our brains are plastic and why we can change something in our brain. Yeah, so the underlying message is just that connections need to be made and strengthened so that an activity is more likely to occur. So now habits are unconscious. When you have to make a mental conscious effort to do something, there's not a habit yet. It's actually crazy that it's so difficult to form a habit, even though you consciously want to do it really badly. Let's throw in some habits that you actually wanted to strive for, but never establish. Do you have any examples? Oh, yeah. Like, like, what are for you sure. failing at? <laughs> Let's get vulnerable here, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'm still, I think since I'm in high school or something I'm biting my nails like picking biting everything Me too I know and it's so like not even only when I'm nervous but just even when I'm bored or just like meh I don't and know. yeah it's really hard to mm -hmm. to not do it and I tried everything like nail polish um rings and yeah <laughs> nothing and seems to work 
It's crazy because you bite them off and like before you even notice like mm. you've already bitten them off. It's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. For me, it's also meditating. So uh, in that regard, Austin is a big inspiration for me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. For me, it's actually uh, this year I wanted to stop with snoozing when my alarm goes off and I'm terribly failing in it because right now like my roommates and I are not heating at all because of the energy crisis and so I'm sleeping with like three blankets on like a sweater on and it's so hard to just like stand up in the morning yeah. so I'm just terribly failing at snoozing <laughs> like not snoozing anymore I, ca I cannot make it a habit hmm. <laughs> that's how but do you wake up Like, do you wake up and just like put on snooze and then yeah, come back? Yeah, I put it on snooze, go like just lay there and I know that I want to like stand up, but I just, I don't know, I'm not doing it. And snooze again and then the third time I'm standing up. A uh, clever way I got to get over that habit was I would pick a song I loved to dance to. I did that this morning. So funny that you mentioned I picked the song this morning after snoozing two times and then mm -hmm. I just got up like immediately. Exactly. So I'm gonna try that tomorrow and just put it on right away. See if you can make that your alarm clock. Ooh. And I made the alarm clock uh, MGMT's Time to Pretend. It came <laughs> on every morning. I was like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> And I would just leave it playing, like I would take a shower with it, the whole nine yards, like, all right. But you can only do that for like a week or so and then you want then to vomit the song. the song. I yeah. hated that song. Yeah. After, yeah. I did like That's three wrong. months of it. Like, I, was, <laughs> I still can't listen to it. Like, Damn. Austin, what's the habit that you failed at? Oh, countless habits. <laughs> Meditating for about 10 years oh, was a right. habit I failed at. Yeah. Even today, uh, I don't ha meditate every morning because it's constantly an issue where if I'm not creating some sort of huge overarching goal, uh, it's really hard for me to maintain that habit. So now my new New Year's resolution is uh, to log everything in a calendar. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still struggling. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I think it's interesting what you say when you say that um, if you don't have a big overarching goal, it's difficult to follow through. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I think if that's the case, maybe it's not even necessarily a habit yet. Because I think a habit is automatic and has less to do with being goal-directed. It's something that's like unconscious. It's not something that has to do with the goal anymore. Yes, and I agree with that. The question that I self-reflect on now is when did meditating stop becoming a habit for me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it used to be a habit, but it's not really anymore. Yes. Even for about two, three years after um, my initial New Year's resolution to meditate every morning, I still just got up and meditated the majority of mornings. And it was just part of my routine. It was part of my habit. But it slowly started to fade because I didn't need to or I was going to go get up at 5 a.m. to go rock climbing. So I'm going to skip meditating and then some other reason to skip meditating. And slowly mm -hmm. I just began dewiring this habit from my life. That's a, that's a shame. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking about doing some sort of conditioning to reinstill this habit back into my life. But I think it's you're actually touching upon that, um, you know, once a habit is wired and it's automated, it doesn't mean that 
it sticks forever because there's daily intrusive thoughts, there's feelings or perceptions of the world that might interfere and um, just making it difficult at times to pursue our habit. And then once you go down the rabbit hole, it just, you go back to your old behavior kind of and you, what you just said, like you, you lose on that habit. And I think it's important to say that, yeah, we have an amazing brain and it can wire new habits, but at the same time, it's not perfect. And uh, we just have to keep going, I think, because otherwise we might lose the habit. I mean, we're still humans and not machines. Exactly. And the brain is plastic. So even though you can form a habit, you can also lose it again. And um, I think goal-directed behavior and automatic behaviors are also like completely different like in terms of the anatomy mm -hmm. of the brain. Um, since automatic behaviors are related to the basal ganglia, which is a subcortical structure in the brain. So it's like in the middle of the brain under the cortex. And it's mostly known to be in charge of sending signals to the rest of the brain to either do something. So it's giving like a go signal, like, okay, go bite your nails or go meditate <laughs> or uh, to not do something. So that's like a no go signal. So whether a habit is triggered or not, this all happens in the basal ganglia and it's all automatic. So something has to be a trigger for a habit to occur. That priming can be a time of day or a social situation that occurs on the regular. Whatever the case, your body and mind needs some sort of external or internal stimuli in order for a habit to become behavior. That's very true. Uh, at the moment, I'm actually participating in a habit study at the University of Amsterdam. And uh, I needed to pick a habit um, that is preceded by a specific trigger or cue. And it's really important because this cue will become an automatic trigger for my behavior. So in my situation, I was thinking what I want to do and everything. And I chose to do 30 sit-ups um, going to the bathroom in the morning. So that would be the cue. And it needed to be very specific as well. Now, actually, I'm doing this since a couple of weeks and I need to say it starts to be difficult not to do it after this morning routine, when, when I complete this morning routine. Have you found that any other time you use the bathroom that you get an uncontrollable urge to do sit-ups? <laughs> no, actually I don't. Not in the afternoon. <laughs> I, yeah. Like at university, like... <laughs> Imagine, I'm in any bathroom, like, okay, okay, let's do this. <laughs> No, in all the public spaces. Yeah. No, but actually, like, the other day, I was, like, super hangover, and I went to the bathroom in the morning, and I was like, I need to do this. Like, I just cannot just leave the bathroom now without doing this. Life. So I was like, oh, okay, I will do this. But it was really difficult. Yeah. I'm really proud of Thank you. you. Thank you. That's really cool. And I think what's important to add is that the cue, so the signal that precedes and supposedly triggers the habit, can be internal or external. Internal cues are any cues that arise within you, so to say. For example, for your bladder telling you to go to the bathroom. Or a specific thought or feeling that repeatedly comes back and stays on your heart and mind. External cues are signals from your immediate environment. For example, a visual or auditory stimulation, a song that triggers you or a sentence that you read. And actually to tell you about One story of mine, an internal cue that chased me for a long time was the wish to withdraw from my surroundings, to hide and be by myself when I didn't feel good. Like when I was emotional, felt down, 
or couldn't, couldn't contribute anything positive to brighten my surroundings. I was fighting with my internal self because I wanted to hide any negativity proceeding from myself from the world because I didn't feel like I want to make it a darker place as it already sometimes seems to be. However, when I actually reflected on my behavior, I came across that one of my biggest wishes is to actually be authentic and show the world my true self. I think at times that we develop a society that has the misconception of wanting to come across as strong, free of failures and having everything together. That's so true. Yeah, right? But showing vulnerability is one of the biggest beauties I think that life has to offer. Discovering your vulnerabilities and accepting them brings you closer to yourself and actually lets you discover your strengths as they often, I think, lie next to each other. And embracing your feeling down lets you cherish the ups even more. And your vulnerable spots give space for other people to enter your life and fill the empty spots. Anyways, I decided to start sharing my vulnerable spots, my dark moments with my friends and family. So whenever I had the feeling of wanting to withdraw arise in me as an internal cue, I either took my phone to hand to call or send a voice message to my closest ones or started to write down my feelings to later share it. So I started on forming a habit of sharing my vulnerable spots. And as of today, I think I became really good in sharing my downs. I sometimes even have to stop myself from bubbling too much. And I think it took the realization of what bothers me and what I want to change and a master plan to follow to make that a habit for myself. This is beautiful, yeah. Very, very beautiful, Lucy. And it's so good that you tell this, that you could overcome these bad habits or like, yeah, these schemes. Because unfortunately, um, these bad habits or schemes, such as addiction, for example, can also be triggered easily and leading to relapse. Like mm -hmm. imagine the pure side of alcohol uh, can trigger a person who has a drinking history and drink again and go back to this old bad pattern. But we also need to consider that um, no habits can occur without a reward. And uh, contrary to the popular belief, rewarding oneself after each time we perform a desired behavior will not condition us optimally to perform the behavior more often in the future. Instead, it has been found that random intermittent rewards works best. It has to do with the concept of reward prediction error, where the interaction of an expectation and reward influences how likely we are to learn a desired behavior. So if we expect to get a reward, our motivation goes down, but if we get a random surprise, we tend to be much happier and motivated. This is of course like difficult to do in the real life because we can't just give ourselves random rewards. Like that's not how it reward. works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's it's like actually not the best to reward yourself every time you do something like a desired behavior. It's better to maybe sometimes just not reward yourself. Do you think it could be engineered to have a random number generator on your computer and any time <laughs> you were trying to form a new habit? You have the random number generator roll, and if it was a two, four, or nine, then you get a reward, but any other number you don't. <laughs> <laughs> or is that simply creating a new dopamine urge to roll and then bypassing 
You you can try it out and let the audience know. <laughs> amazing. I'll look at that the research awesome on this. <laughs> okay, so here we've already debunked a myth, which is um, that despite common belief, rewarding yourself constantly is actually not in line with how the brain works and how we form habits. So let's keep it going. Another big myth that's really, really popular in the popular science or popular psychology um, world is that it takes a set number of days to build a habit. So often they advertise that it only takes 21 days. If you do it for 21 days, it's fine. Like you'll, you'll make it and then you will definitely do this every day and it will be a habit. But then again, there's also people that say it's 30 days or that say it's 15 days or whatever. So what is it actually? Interestingly, a longitudinal study, so that's a study that's being run over a long time, has shown that habit formation can take between 18 and 250 days for different individuals. So this is totally up to an individual and totally variable, whether um, you take 18 days or 250 days if you're unlucky. This may take almost a year. <laughs> yeah, that's just not true. And unfortunately, it can take way less time to lose a habit again compared to forming it. Like a certain trigger could cause you to quickly fall back into your old habit, as Rora explained with the alcoholism, for example. But that really depends on how wired your habit actually is. Because as we said before, our brains are way more plastic than we used to think. There's so much more to say about this topic, actually. So if you really like this, then maybe we can do another episode about this. Um, but we will call it a day for now. And to answer the title of the episode, how does the brain form new habits? Um, the short and sweet answer is that you got to be consistent and that what fires together wires together. So keep that in mind. <laughs> um, be in the right context and in the right states to get the right cues. And importantly, don't follow an 18-day or 21-day habit challenge. It needs way more time to form a habit for some people. Exactly. And don't just write down your habits as resolutions. Our intentions or even reported behavior doesn't always reflect actual behavior itself. It's also called the intention behavior gap. So it means that um, even if we think that we mastered a new habit, for example, I exercise more, you need to observe the behavior and count it to be able um, to actually track it yourself because we can unintentionally force even our perception of ourselves. And last but not least, don't be too harsh on yourself. If you skip the day, don't worry, don't give up, just continue the next day and try to do it as often as you can do so the behavior can become automatic. So take Austin's examples with um, meditation. Don't just give up, that's when the habit not gonna form. Reward yourself occasionally and a little treat will always set your motivation up to continue again. And don't be discouraged when you fail at times, even once the habit is already formed. As we said, the brain is not perfect. You're just a beautiful human with an imperfect brain. But stick to your goals and visions. You can do it. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope you learned something new about your own psychology and how the brain works. We have a lot planned for this podcast. So if you're interested in brain insights that influence all areas of your life, stick around. Bye! Bye. Bye.